Welcome. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us today for Milwaukee's philanthropic community, where we highlight and recognize people and organizations that are doing great things and having a positive impact in our community. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach at Ellen Becker Investment Group. As society has changed over the years, so have relationships among families. Today, older adults are living longer. They're living healthier lives than in the past. They're making uh, staying connected to their loved ones more important than ever. Plus, various studies have shown that these intergenerational relationships present a cyclical pattern of love and care and support among each member of the family and have a positive impact on all those that are involved. Children and teens see enhanced social skills and more stability in their daily lives, which can help them do well in school and steer clear of negative influences. Seniors who are close to their children and their grandchildren are often healthier, they're less lonely, and they're more involved in the world around them. So what options do families have locally that can provide care in a number of ways while bringing generations together? Well, we're gonna find out my first guest today is Sister Edna Lonigan, president of St. Anne's Center. Welcome to the show today, Sister. Thank you, Jill. I'm very honored to be here. We're honored to have you and to learn more about St. Anne. Now, you run a very unusual nonprofit organization, an intergenerational center, as you say. So what got you started on this path? Well, Jill, a lot of people ask me that question. Um, but back in 1983, I was director of rehabilitation for the Sisters of St. Francis of Assisi. And I noticed the wonderful care they received, especially something as important as a bath. I noticed that they could go home and then sleep in their own beds at night with all the cares taken care of. I too remember a sociology class I had taken where a woman was um, caring for three older adults in her home, and then they too went home at night. And I thought to myself, really, I could do that. So I applied for a city grant and received enough money to take care of 11 older adults for the year. So I started out with four clients. They received a bath. I had a volunteer that gave them activities. Um, I put them in rehab programs such as much needed occupational therapy, speech therapy, or physical therapy, or whatever they needed. And of course, word got out that this was a pretty good deal. That, the, you know, I didn't need to place my loved one in an institution, and I could send them off to St. Anne's, which is what we called it. And, you know, Wisconsin at that time was the second highest use of nursing homes in the nation. So it behooves us to do something that helps people have an alternative and another choice. And I said, I said before, the one reason for placement was just their inability to take care of their own personal hygiene. And the, you know, the cost of health care was just cut back considerably. And so St. Anne Center grew and grew. So you started with adults my understanding what what made you decide to put the generations together then well as a result of our growth i had to hire more staff and most of them were single moms 
and they had school-age children. So when school was closed for whatever reason, I lost my staff because they had to stay home to take care of their children. So I told them, why don't you bring your children with you? And you can only imagine the magic that happened and the sense of purpose that that gave to older adults. They taught the kids how to fish, how to have tea party, sing-alongs, and just play a lot of different card games and chess and checkers. But there was one precious moment I will never forget. It was with little Kathy. And little Kathy had been coming to St. Anne's for three years since she was a baby. So she was now three years old. And I was standing next to Frank, who has grand mal seizures frequently. And little Kathy was also standing next to him, as she often did. She loved to ride in his wheelchair. And they were quite the buddies. So I could see this grand mal seizure starting in Frank, and I stood next to him to keep him safe. But to my surprise, Kathy climbed up on his lap. She took her tiny little arms and hands and wrapped them around his big belly and all his symptoms stopped and he never had his grand mal seizure. Hmm. So, you know, it was then, that was the moment I knew we needed to build an intergenerational daycare. It's nice to be witness to those kinds of things, isn't it? Oh, yes. I love the stories that happen there. They tell me a lot. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, since no one in the country had built something like this intergenerational uh, uh, center before, how did you know where to begin? That's a good question. The first thing I did try was to locate other intergenerational facilities around the country. And I did visit what they determined to be an intergenerational program. But what I found was nursing homes that were visited by children from grade school or grade school children that went over to senior centers. But it's not the kind of intergenerational performance that I was really envisioning. And so very disappointed, I went back to the staff and I said, at that time, there were about 25 staff, we have hundreds now, uh, we're going to have to design it ourselves. And so we worked with an architect, an architect from Ireland, who had studied Frank Lloyd Wright. And we met with him every week for two years. And we built it and designed it. And really, that was the best idea to have the staff design it because they know what it is we need. Right. So then what are some of the services? You know, so if somebody's uh, uh, listening and curious about specific services, what are uh, some of the different things that you offer the different generations? Well, at that time, at that time, back in 1999, when we opened the daycare, we had um, personal hygiene daycare services for children and adults. And then four years later, we added on to that facility and, and added on a much needed overnight respite because caregivers do get tired. They need a break. They sometimes get sick. So they, or they want to go out of town or whatever. So we take care of them up to 28 days. And so we added another 4,000 square feet. So in addition, our program allowed us to provide um, a coffee shop, um, an occupational therapy and physical therapy and speech therapy department, a music therapy department, a summer camp for the children, salon services, a swimming pool, 
and a 7,000-square-foot glass-enclosed park between the children and the adults. And we built that because the county said, or the, the state really said, you cannot put children in with adults. You just can't. It's not allowed. So then I said, well, what if we put a, a locked area for children on one side and a, 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 an area for adults on the other side? And, and that would be an outing when we took the children out of the locked area and an outing was required by the state. So that's how we got around that design and built it. Yeah, we've had a lot more services with our second facility and I can talk about it then. Okay, so you do provide, so let's say there's a family out there um, that needs one of your services. They just reach out and come in and visit or is there a process that someone has to go through? Yes, we have what's called daycare a la carte. So it's a fee-for-service arrangement. So if your loved one only needs a bath and doesn't need the all-day day services, then they could just come in and for $20, they can get a bath. It's a, it's a pretty inexpensive arrangement and um, works well for a lot of people. Some of them just come in for music therapy or they come in for speech therapy. You know, so we just charge them for whatever service they might need rather than spending the whole day with us. Okay, so you have an a la carte menu, if you will. Right, right. <laughs> Yeah. They can choose what they need and you can provide the service, whatever, whatever it is. Stay with us to find out why, after Sister Edna had everything up and running smoothly, she decided to rebuild and where she decided to rebuild. We'll find out more after a commercial break. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community. With your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I'm talking with Sister Edna Lonigan from St. Anne's Center downtown. So, Sister, in 1999, you built your original facility in Bayview on Milwaukee's south side, is my understanding. Then you decided to build another facility. So where did you go and why? Well, about five years later, our building was filled, and there was no room for expansion. We were landlocked. So being a Franciscan sister, it was imperative that we replicate St. Anne Center in the poorest area of the city. You know, I oftentimes feel God communicates through stories, through happenings, and I really was, you know, questioning whether we could build another one. So one day... One day, a mother came in, and she dropped off little Kelly, and then she ran to the front desk, and she stopped. She says, well, I'm in a hurry, but I just got to tell you this story. The mother, and Kelly, was in one of our restaurants eating supper, and in walked this elderly couple, and the man had very severe tremors, and so they sat down and started eating, and the elderly gentleman and the the little girl met eye to eye. It was precious. So without any prompting, the little girl got out of the chair and walked over to the elderly gentleman and shook his hand. And the, the wife of this older man started to cry. And she said, I can never take my husband anywhere where children are not afraid of him. Why is it your child is not afraid? And she started to explain to her that she has been with adults all her little young life. And she's not afraid. She's not shy. 
because she goes to this intergenerational facility. Mm. Again, another great story, right, of intergenerational connection. I mean, it's so rich. Yes, it is. But I knew then we had to rebuild. We are not rebuild, but build again. Okay. Well, tell us more about the spot you decided to build on then. What did, what did it look like? Well, all I can remember, <laughs> it's such a blur, is that it took us a long time to remove buried gas tanks, lead paint, telephone lines, and contaminated soil in two city blocks, two city blocks. But we chose the site because it was one of the poorest areas and the area of greatest need. And I thought to myself, how can moms and dads go off to work when they're taking care of their own parents and small children and there's no place to put them? We looked at many sites, but this one was a land large enough and the need was so great. The the original facility is 55,000 square feet the new one is 80,000 square feet and growing. Wow. So, and it's gorgeous. It's just beautiful. So tell us, how are you using that facility then to, to help the children and the adults on the north side? Are you providing the same kind of services on your, uh, from your Bayview facility, or is it something different? Well, yes, we provide the same type of services, but much more. It's a total wraparound service. So mom or dad can drop off their child or their adult or loved one, and we will take care of them everything except surgery. We don't do surgery, but we take care of everything that they might need on a daytime service. So you're, you're, um, this person, this mom or dad or whatever, can leave, doesn't have to worry about leaving their job and, and um, losing their job. So we added great wraparound services for that area. A mother once had to take her child to Minnesota just to get her teeth clean because there were no dental services that took care of children with severe disabilities. Hmm. So now she just takes her upstairs. Hmm. Before we built the facility, we handed out a survey to the neighborhood. I think it's appropriate to ask the neighborhood what it is you need, what it is you want. You can't just go and tell them. It's just not appropriate. Or assume they want right or or assume they need yes so you know that that we complied with everything in that survey and it was wonderful we learned a lot and most importantly the neighbors said you know businesses come into this area and they promise to hire us and they don't so we made a promise that we would hire from within and today we have only over 90 percent of our staff from the neighborhood. We also have a large pool because children in that neighborhood don't learn how to swim, you know, and there's been a number of drownings. So um, we are teaching the children in our beautiful, beautiful pool how to swim. So, and also they grow in confidence when they learn how to swim. They're very proud of themselves. We also built a band shell, a large band shell, where performances could come in and, and highlight the neighborhood. But that, most of all, the adults could get up on the stage. Our, our clients, it's all wheelchair accessible. The children can get up on the stage, and they love to entertain. They love to get in front of a crowd, you know, and they, too, grow in confidence. When we opened the band shell, we had a little 8-year-old get up and sing the Whitney Houston song, No Greater Love. Now, that's a hard song to sing. Oh, wow. And this little 8-year-old belted it out with an amazing voice, and so, and he said, no one, no one can take away my dignity. And the strongest love is from within. 
That's a quote from Whitney Houston. Mm. So we are also in the process of adding an intergenerational playground, play garden, funded by the Brooke Foundation. To my knowledge, this is the first of its kind. And you notice when parents take their children to the park, they sit down and the children get up and they go run around and play and the, the adults just sit there. Well, you can't in this play garden. The adults and the children have to play together. There's a dinosaur cave which teaches the children tenacious tenaciousness. I guess that's a word. And then a castle teaches them leadership. A teacup house teaches social skills. A fairy house teaches expanding imagination. And a reading section for story time is very important. And talk about collaborations. We're working with the Urban Ecology Center and teaching gardening, gardening and sustainability. So there's a lot of collaborations in this. You know? A lot of uh, different services. And again, you have that a la carte menu at the Northside location as well as the Bayview location, correct? Yes. yes. Well, speak more to those uh, collaborative uh, partnerships. You know, what, what are some of the projects that you've worked on with other organizations? Well, we do work with the hospitals like with Ascension, uh, with Aurora, uh, we have a health clinic. You know, a lot of times people don't need to go to the emergency room. They can just come to our health clinic. And if they can't afford to pay, we take care of them anyway. You know, but if they have a form of pay, that we, we use that. And uh, so there's a lot of collaborations. They're also sending some of the people that are in the hospital that have no place to go. They're well again, but they're not. You know, they're medically stable anyway, but they have no place to go. So they can come to our overnight respite and stay there until we can find a viable place for them. So, you know, that's one collaboration. Um, we also, with the band show, we have great collaborations with local talent, um, collaborations with uh, the Milwaukee Ballet, the Milwaukee Symphony. You know, we invite them all. The, um, you're going to hear about Biz Darts. That, that's a great collaboration. They do wonderful work. Um, we work, I'm a member of the Board of the Business Improvement District, and um, I love being on there because it um, allows us to really stretch and, and help grow the, the, the North Campus. Um, you know, I do believe that an organization is stronger if the surrounding community is strong. So it's, it's all our um, opportunity um, to work with uh, businesses and churches. We work a lot with churches. Um, um, they really know their people, and sometimes they come and let me give a speech. And I talk about seniors and about how we want to be part of the surrounding community and how we want to help. Absolutely, and again, not one organization can do it all, and so that's why these collaborative partnerships are so yes. important. Tell us about uh, the long-range goal for St. Anne's Center. Well, it is a long-range goal, but I hope not too long. And it's to help others replicate St. Anne's Center and get them started in intergenerational care. I just asked myself, why are we paying out $300 for institutional care when many of these people need only day services at a rate of $55 a day? We can save the state. We can save this nation millions and billions even in healthcare costs. That's not a joke. That's a reality. We have proved it twice now. And um, I'm asked many, many times um, outside to, to come and give speeches and uh, outside the country. And, 
you know, I just know our nation needs this, and we've got to help. But I have a long um, um, billing that needs to be addressed on the south side. It's a $30 million project. I still owe $3 million. If I could get that paid off, that would be a dream. And it would help me reach out to so many more and help them get these started because they do work. And it is what people want. So if there's a listener out there that wants to get involved, funding is, is an issue, one of your greater needs. Um, is that correct? Yes. Okay. So tell us then how can people contact St. Anne? What's the best way for people to do that? Well, our email is the best. No, but a, a letter always works too. Our phone call always works. But the email is Stan Center. That's S-T-A-N-N-C-E-N-T-E-R. Dot org. My direct line is area code 414-977-5001. Well, I'd love to hear from you. Okay. <laughs> Call to action, listeners. Sister Edna wants to hear from you. So thank you for joining us today, Sister. Thank you. Thank you. Passion about St. Anne. And uh, let us know how, uh, if people are reaching out to you and, and how they're uh, helping you and, and uh, coming alongside you to provide some support. Yeah. So thank you for being with us. At the opening of the show, I talked about how important intergenerational relationships are, not, not only between neighbors and, and mentors, but particularly within families. If, if you've had wonderful family stories that have been passed down from generation to generation, consider yourself lucky. You should be very thankful. I think our younger generation should really capitalize on those relationships if they have grandparents that are still around. There's a great family story that's going to be shared in our next segment about a woman who came to the United States in 1954 from Italy when there was civil unrest with a passion and a mission. Stay tuned to hear this moving and impactful story when we return. We'll be right back. You're listening to EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's philanthropic community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo. My next guest today is Patrick Snyder, Executive Director of BizStarts. BizStarts is a nonprofit that supported hundreds, thousands even, of entrepreneurs over the years, and continues to have a positive impact in stimulating healthy, vibrant economic development through coaching, personalized mentoring, and meaningful connections to resources. So welcome to the show today, Patrick. Thanks a million for having us on, and thanks for uh, this show and all the wonderful things you do and share about the community. Well, you're certainly welcome. Well, you told me when we met previously, you told me a really great story about a young Italian woman who came to the United States with a mission. Uh, you had a noticeable spark in your voice when you shared it with me. Uh, you want to retell that story today for our listeners? Yeah, I will. Uh, first, I'm going to um, say it's horrible to have to follow Sister Edna, who's a complete saint in the community and has already received sainted status. So uh, I'll do my best to keep up. So I will tell you about um, the woman you're talking about, which is my mom, who came here uh in 1954 uh, from Italy. She, she was only 14 years old. She didn't speak the language very well. I literally would follow her around and listen to people make fun of her accent. And 
the, the wonderful thing is that she always had this drive and, and this ambition to do hair, which is what she was trained to do uh, in, in Malo, Italy, which is uh, just south of the Alps. So um, she went around, um, she, she did various waitress jobs and did things to get by. And um, she went around looking for work cutting hair, um, but would only get offered 274 an hour in 1974 to sweep the floor. And she was so tenacious that she just kept thinking, like, how am, how am I going to beautify women? Like, th that was her real goal in life. And um, she got an idea to talk to someone at the assisted living facility down the uh, street from where she and my dad lived. And she asked the owner, if, um, if we build out a shop in this um, assisted living facility, your people will no, no longer have to run out and get the hair done. We can do it all here. And the guy thought it was a no-brainer that my dad would go in and build out the shop and my mom would do the hair. Well, the the beautiful blessing from that first ask was the gentleman who started that uh, nursing home or assisted living facility was named Jay Lukowitz. And Jay built four other facilities um, over the next six or seven years. So in instead of making 275 an hour, 274 an hour um, in 19... 74 my mom made a thousand dollars a day and was able to care for our family and and another great thing that i love was hire us hire single moms and really make a difference hmm. i mean watch out when you've got a woman with a mission <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> a man or a woman you know when heart is in it um it just doesn't seem like work, right? I mean, you're just doing those things that fill your spirit. And so that's that's just a wonderful story. So how then did you connect with BizStart? I'll tell you just a couple more things is that she would bring the employees um, breakfast, she would bring the employees lunch, and she would literally, she paid 10 times minimum wage um, back in that time. So it, it was really just a, a wonderful thing to live through. So me getting to Biz Starts is, um, I actually was an entrepreneur myself. Um, I started a, a magazine on Chicago's North Shore. Um, and after six years, I grew the magazine to about 20 employees and, and sold the magazine. And I was uh, teaching as an adjunct professor at um, Roosevelt University and after I sold the publication and running tourism for the state of Illinois. Um, and I got a call from a group called USASB, which is uh, the United States Association for Small Business and Entrepreneurship. Um, and as I was, they were housed at UW-Whitewater because they needed to be housed at a larger business college. And as I was driving up to take the interview, um, for one, I, you know, it's it just driving through Wisconsin as opposed to Illinois was just a really beautiful thing. Um, the second thing is when, when I got back, I was literally, I was at a, a place called Maryville in Des Plaines, Illinois, uh, praying to the Virgin Mary. Which way should I go? <laughs> and basically, I get a text from Denise Aylin at UW-Whitewater offering me the job. And I'm like, well, this is all settled. Like, I don't have to worry about so well if that's not a sign you don't know what is but right. long story short the USASBE was the largest organization in the world for professors that teach entrepreneurship so once I got into town I had met with a gentleman named Dan Steininger and I'll tell you more about Dan later but 
he was a person that was um, had a lot of contacts in Milwaukee. In fact, his grandfather was Daniel Hone, who the Hone Bridge was named after. And he he asked me to join the board, and I I said this is wonderful because maybe we can start thinking bringing the thinking of Usosby into biz starts, and I can make a difference in the community I belong in. Awesome, awesome. So so whether your business is in pre-revenue stage or your doors are already open, Biz Starts, the organization provides the one-on-one -on -one coaching or personalized mentoring or those business connections that people should have if they want to continue down a path of success, right? Tell us more about those three things. Yeah, so, um, and let me add that we do those specifically now um, to businesses and underserved communities. So what our, our goal is to start companies in underserved areas where there's ability, but not necessarily opportunity. Um, so if a person right now has a, a business and they wanted to work with BizStarts or they had an idea and a napkin, they would come in and speak to one of our coaches. The coaches would do an organizational audit on um, things that they might be missing, things, strengths that they have that, that we could um, leverage and do the things it takes to move those businesses along. The second thing is we have these mentors that are different than coaches. The mentors are um, community members that are subject matter experts. So if somebody comes in with an idea to, to um, start a candle company um, coming out of Milwaukee, we, we might know someone in Lake Geneva that's done it that doesn't compete that can talk to them directly about how to get it done. Um, and then the last thing we do is connections to resources. And what we mean by that is if they need a loan, we can get them to Kiva or get them to Wibic. Um, if they're looking for uh, legal advice, we can get them to um, the Marquette Legal Clinic, which is free. If they need free accounting services, we can get them to Hosh Blackwell or EY or one of the other firms that's offering ours. So that, that's the base right now of Biz Starts Operations. And as, as you know, we're getting into the Biz Starts Institute soon, which is very exciting. Yeah, so so you you connect people to resources, whether that's coaching, mentoring, or business connections, and that's the Biz Starts the organization. And then you have the Biz Starts Institute. So how is how are those different? Tell us more about the Biz Starts Institute. So there was that part where I served on the board, and then I was running the United States Association for Small Business and Entrepreneurship, and then there was the part where. I took a $40,000 pay cut and <laughs> took the job as executive director as this starts because I, I was going around the neighborhoods and I realized it wasn't like Chicago. These weren't organized drug rings that were making profits off the streets. They're just poor people and they need help. And I really saw my mom. So in knowing that I, I had the strength to provide that opportunity I went looking for my old professor friends at USASB and said, how do we get a program that's researched and vetted into the city of Milwaukee so we can get people starting their own companies and be self-employed? Um, and a few of them wanted to take a crack at it, but, a, but another and a very large majority said, what you need to do is you need to talk to Professor Morris, who's at the University of Notre Dame. Um, and I went to, I went to see Michael Morris, um, in South Bend and basically he said, you know, I, I, I have, I do have a program. I did the program in, in South Africa and we worked with literally hundreds of businesses and getting, getting them going over 
a five-year period in South Africa. And then University of Florida at Gainesville, there's tremendous poverty in the Gainesville area. Brought Michael in just to do his program at the University of Florida as he's teaching as a professor of practice. And lo and behold, in three years, they got 200 businesses up and running um, in Gainesville. Um, so, you know, Notre Dame being the special place it is, said, we watch you in South Bend. So he, he got to South Bend about a year ago, and he's already got the first businesses kind of up and up running off the ground. I think he has 40 of them going already. Um, and he, he said, yeah, I'll help you do it in Milwaukee, but I want you to come for the six weeks of the program. So I was driving back and forth from South Bend to here. Um, and then I want to work with you on the program because I want to make sure that we have impact. So the, the beautiful thing about the um, BizStarts Institute, and we had 100 applications, we gave 25 scholarships away, and then we're doing the rest online just so we can be safe. And we're doing it at the great North Center at St. Anne's, is, um, is that once the six weeks is over, the system of learning becomes a system of doing. So in, instead of, you know, graduating with a pitch competition, instead of teaching them their numbers, we, we build the website with them. We build their social media platform with them. We give them customers. We go out and help them find customers. So if there's 75 steps you have to take to getting in business, and we make sure that all 75 are checked off by the end of the year. Wow. Okay. Well, that's quite an offering. And then my understanding is that you work together with St. Anne to accomplish these, these different things. You know, when we prepare for the show, I look to pair two organizations that have a collaborative relationship in some way. So you have this collaborative relationship with St. Anne, uh, and we're going to hear more about that after the break. We'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's philanthropic community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach, and I am talking with Patrick Snyder, Executive Director from BizStarts. So, Patrick, you have a unique uh, relationship with St. Anne's Center in a number of different ways. If you can share with us the, the different ways that you work with them, along with some other success stories that you've had with other partners and or entrepreneurs. Sure. So um, we, we also work with groups like Riverworks and Havenwood and SDC. St. Anne's is a very special relationship. They, they have a thing called First Fridays. And on first Fridays of the month, they bring in uh, entrepreneurs, and there's a wonderful gentleman over there named John that runs that program. And then basically, as John was working with BizStart, so he had the brilliant idea, well, if you're coaching the entrepreneurs already, we could provide you with folks that could use the support. And then when we came out with this, you know, BizStarts Institute, we needed a space during COVID that was large enough to, to have 25 people in person that could literally fit 200. And, you know, I thought I was going to have to get on my hands and knees and go to St. Edna and John. And the, they, within two minutes, they said, yeah, we, well, you can do it. No problem. We love the, the space over there. It, it looks beautiful. If people haven't gone there. It's an absolutely magical place. Um, and, and I'm so proud to be working with them. What about some other success stories? Success in community organizations means that you have to go out and talk to the community and, and partner with them. 
And the biggest success story that I can point to is in, in the case of Riverworks, in the case of Havenwood and, and SDC, before this starts turned to help the communities, we did all our entrepreneurship training in Schlitz Park. And as somebody coming from the outside in, I just thought, why would I trouble these people and drag them out of their neighborhood to downtown when I should be out there? If I'm really in this, I should be out there visiting them. So the biggest success is that we're doing training in all those uh, facilities right now. Awesome. Tell me about the Lamar story. Oh, so I, I love the Lamar love story because it just shows how there's capabilities, but sometimes not um, opportunity. And Lamar uh, came to us uh, after a 20-year prison sentence um, for drugs use, not uh, sales. And and I just, uh, we immediately had a heart for Lamar. And, and long story short was Lamar learned how to bank in prison. He also, you know, found God and, and was spiritual and just a terrific man. And he had all this energy and I tasted the cookies and they were amazing. And there's a thing in entrepreneurship called differentiation. And it means that basically if you, if your product looks the same as any, anyone else's, and you don't have differentiation, you're going to have to sell at a lesser price in order to get customers. But if you have differentiation, then you can sell for a higher price because people want it. And the differentiation he had was unbelievable taste, but then they were sweetened with agave, which unlike sugar is good for you, and they were gluten-free. Um, so I thought he, he could be selling these to bigger customers. He was selling them in uh, jars throughout the neighborhood, Sometimes they'd get ripped off. Sometimes the, pe the people that owned his shops would always undercut him on his price. And I said, this might be a big customer play. So we went to a bigger customer, which was Hush Blackwell. And we sat across from Paul Eberly. And, and he had his two buyers there, which is literally how they always do it. There was no special treatment for Lamar. And they tasted the cookies. And then uh, Lamar was, you know, Lamar and I were going again, and I just didn't want to I didn't, we, I think we sold it and they didn't want to buy it back. Well, Paul says, um, how much are the cookies it was 175. They ordered $30,000 worth of cookies a year at Hush Blackwell. And they gave Lamar that entire order. Now we got out of that room and we were high-fiving and crying on the elevator after the thing was over. It was really amazing. Awesome. Again, the stories are so rich and impactful that, you know, we really like to, share with our audience what these organizations are doing and, and, and how they're helping people realize potential and, you know, just highlight the different things that, that happen at these organizations. But you also have an incredible board of directors, right? You know, how were you able to bring together a bunch of amazing people? Yeah, so, you know, Dan Steininger, the grandson of Daniel Hone, was super well connected. And when he started the, the rally cry where we need new more businesses coming out of Milwaukee, C-level executives came out of the woodwork to join Dan. And I'll tell you, Milwaukee is such a special place when it comes to people helping other people that there's nowhere on the planet where you have Paul Eberly, a lawyer at Hush Blackwell, taking a meeting with a convicted felon who's being coached by the CFO of Harley Davidson. It's just an unbelievable environment. And it's a very, very special board now led by Ann Hanna, who is uh, with the Tarot group and a super, super woman. Hmm. So, so amazing people that you're bringing together from a board of directors level, amazing services that you're providing the community. 
you also have something in the way of a scholarship fund too, right? You want to tell us about that? Yeah, so uh, George Mosher uh, passed away, sadly, about a year ago, and his son Rob Mosher uh, felt so good about what BizStarts was doing that the family made a large gift to uh, BizStarts, and we used the money that they gave us to provide these scholarships for the program. And everybody that, anyone that gets into BizStarts does it free of charge. We don't charge for any services at all. Um, so those types of donations are very special and the, and the Mosher family has been unbelievable along with WEDC and uh, Bader Institute. Mm, okay, so boy, lots of different things that people may not even be aware of that you're involved with uh, and, and having an impact in the community. How have you been impacted by COVID-19? So the biggest thing is that um, we used to do the one-on-one -on -one coaching in person and we pivoted to uh, the virtual. But the other thing that I'm proud of the most is that, you know, there, there, when you have a pandemic, what happens is there's more need. And we had literally businesses that didn't know how to apply for the PPP grant or didn't know how to apply for the we're all in grant. And we li literally serviced hundreds of businesses so they could get that loan and stay alive with that loan. And, and I'm proud to say when the, when the we're all in grant was extended, we literally, we stayed at the office till 11 o'clock that night, finishing off uh, a final 30 grants from WEDC. Okay, so you want people to know that you are still operational. You've had to pivot like most nonprofits have had to, but you want to make sure people understand that you are still there and you are still open and offering your services. So what would your call to action be then for our listeners? today? I have uh, two calls for action. One, if you're thinking about starting a business and you're, and you're ready to go, then join BizStarts Institute at bizstarts.com. There's a button in the upper left-hand corner. Uh, if you want to contribute to the Mosher Scholarship Fund, which is also on the website, it's bizstarts.com and click on that button and you can donate. And we need the resources. This is a very special program and I, I just know that BizStarts is going to do amazing things for this community. Um, am I? 414-973-2334. Uh, All right. Or again, people can just reach out at bizstarts.com. Yep. Okay. And it's B-I-Z-S-T-A-R-T-S dot com. Uh, I want to thank both my guests today, Sister Edna Lonigan from St. Anne Center and you, Patrick Snyder from BizStarts. Thank you both for sharing how your respective organizations are making an impact in our community. Thanks for being here today. Thank you. You're welcome. If you would like further information about what we talked about today, or if you'd like to be considered as a guest on the show, you can email me at jill at ellenbecker.com, or you can call our office at 262-691-3200. You can join us next Sunday morning at 10 a.m. to learn more about the ways people and different organizations are contributing to making our community a better place to work and a better place to live. You can tune in to News Talk 1130 on your radio, or you can go to newstalk1130.com on your computer, or you can listen on your cell phone via the iHeartRadio app. And you can visit our website at ellenbecker.com to listen to previously aired shows, or you can also listen on demand at Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or Apple Podcasts. So my call to action for our listeners is to think about how you can be a mentor and part of an intergenerational relationship that'll make a difference in the life of someone younger than you or perhaps somebody older than you. 
Also give some thought to how you can lend your expertise in a professional manner to help someone who's looking to start a business. We all have special gifts and talents, and it would be great if we would think about ways that we can use them to offer assistance and support to help others. Find a way to be a blessing and give a blessing. Have a great day.